continue on the ripple. Can we just give a little ripple as we invite Ads up, who's going to come preach to us and open up God's words. Hello, am I on? Great, good news. Checkpoint, tick one. Um, As Ben said, my name is Ads. I have the absolute privilege of leading the family team here at King's and the pleasure of concluding our series on God of all things. Over the summer, we've spent a couple of weeks really just looking at everyday objects, everyday items, and seeing how they can draw us to a place of worship. On week one, we looked at trees, then we looked at cities, and then we looked at bread last week with Andy. And today, I get the absolute pleasure, privilege of drawing us to a place of praise and worship by looking at the subject of dust. (laughs) Now, it's one of those things that we hotly debate in my household, whether you actually see dust, unless you're looking for it. I'm of the opinion, opinion that you don't. Dust is just there. My wife, however, sees dust everywhere. You see, as we sit here today, we are not necessarily aware of it, but we are breathing in molecules upon molecules of dead cells, of hair follicles that we have no idea about. It is a joy. (laughs) Enjoy sitting for the next little while. (laughs) The other time that you notice dust is actually when someone's hand is run, run across the TV and all of a sudden you see a handprint and you realize how dusty that the TV is. The other thing that we've got going on in our household at the minute is that we are in the process of moving home. Very exciting. But if anyone has moved home, there is a real unenviable task of having to get all of the furniture out of the house. And the amount of dust that you discover in places that have not been cleaned for three or four years is unbelievable. So very quickly with the person next to you, I want you to guess where is the dustiest place in our household? 10 seconds just off the bat. Where is the dustiest place? Okay, okay. There's obviously a lot of places that are dusty in your household. We're going for full on discussions. That's great. So, the dustiest place in our household. Now, if you get this right, I'd appreciate maybe a whoop or a cheer, but hey, we're, we're in England, so maybe just a, an apologetic wave will do as well. The most dustiest place in our household is behind our bed. Yeah. Now, more specifically than behind our bed is next to my side of the bed. You see, I am significantly bigger and hairier than my wife, Ellie. I have the unique spiritual ability to gather and collect dust. This got to the point, actually, where just before we had our daughter, we had a discussion, a disagreement, an argument maybe, maybe a full-on fight as to whether our house was safe enough to raise a child in because there was so much dust by the side of my bed. But as I said earlier, I don't see the dust. It's only there. She notices it. What we're doing today is we are going to sit in one particular passage of Scripture, and it is an absolute belter, so please, please read it with me. We are looking at 1 Corinthians 15, verses 42 to 58. 
It's going to come up on the screen behind me, but if you have a a paper Bible, please leave it open um, because we're going to keep popping back and forth um, and bouncing around in it so it would be a helpful study tool. This is what it says. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. So in incorruption, raised in incorruption. So in dishonor, raised in glory. So in weakness, raised in power. So in a natural body, raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So it is written. The first Adam became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, then the spiritual. The first Adam was from the earth, a man of dust. A second man is from heaven. Like the man of dust, so are those who are of the dust. Like the man of heaven, so are those who are of heaven. And just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we will also bear the image of the man of heaven. What I am saying, brothers and sisters, is this. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor can corruption inherit incorruption. Listen, I am telling you a mystery. We will not all fall asleep, but we will all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we will be changed. For this corruptible body must be clothed with incorruptibility and this mortal body must be clothed with immortality. When this corruptible body is clothed with incorruptibility and this mortal body is clothed with immortality, then the saying that is written will take place. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where death is your victory? Where death is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Christ Jesus. Yes, good news, eh? Therefore, my brother, my dear brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the Lord's work because you know that your labour in the Lord is not in vain. Yeah. Didn't I tell you that it was an absolute belter of a passage? There is so much hope and truth in there. And to be honest, it's a real weight off my shoulders because even if what I say is garbage, I know that the Bible has spoken amazing truth. What we're going to do is we're going to break it down into two sections, okay? It talks about two clear, distinct things that we are made in the image of. The first, being made in the image of dust. The second, being made in the image of of the man of heaven or our resurrection bodies. But the first thing that I really want to do is establish where on earth does this idea that we are made in the image of dust come from? It's quite an unusual construct, so we think. Well, if you've been around church long enough, you will know that it is right at the beginning of the Bible. Genesis 2 says this. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being. Now you might be sat there and say, Ads, that's, that's great. Like, I, I don't actually hold that belief. Well, that thought process is all around us. You see, as we're talking and going about our day-to-day lives, the most common of words points to this. You see, the word human that we use every day, well, maybe not every day, maybe weekly, actually comes from the Latin word hummus, a little bit like the dip, but not the dip. And what this word means 
is soil. So when we're talking about humankind, we're talking about soil kind. When we're talking about human beings, we're talking about soil beings. Just in our day-to-day language, we are pointing out to the fact that you and I both derive and come from, as our point of origin, dust and soil. Now, you may sit and read that verse, and there's kind of two ways that you can take it. The first way is that actually, do you know what? This is absolutely amazing. We are human beings. We are formed in dust, and God's life-giving spirit and breath was breathed into us. We can do all things through Christ, which is true. Amen? But there is also a second side to this. We are dust. Like, our point of origin is dust, Regardless of how successful we are in work, regardless of the power that we have, regardless of how much we earn, the house, the flat, the bungalow we live in, where we live, our race, our background, our religion, whoever we are, we are ultimately from dust. What a humbling thought that we are dust. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through the passage, because we haven't even started that bit yet, and I'm going to go through what it is to be made in the image of dust. Now, this is pretty bleak. I'm not going not to lie to you. So I'm going to give you a little bit of a, a trigger warning, almost, that I'm going to be talking about death to a reasonable extent. If this is something which is a live issue in your life, like we would love to pray for you. We, would, we have a great ministry team who would love to pray and support you. We also have a bereavement course. If you would like to have any more information about that, please head to the back after the service, chat to the guys at Connect, and they will sign you up. You see, we don't spend often thinking about death in our culture until it hits us in the face. In the old days, they would build churches in the middle of graveyards. So as you walk to church, you would be surrounded with the realization that we are mortal and surrounded by the idea of death. But today... We are surrounded by coffee shops. We come in, we drive in, you have to avoid Costa, Morrison's and Dunelm to come here to get a free coffee. What does that say about today? Anyway, not saying anything. Um, So the verse, as we go. So verse 42 says that we are sown in corruption and we are raised in incorruption. So as people made in the image of dust, we are sown in corruption. Now another verse for this or another version for this would say that we are perishable. Now, I don't often use the word perishable in my day-to-day life. The only time when I really do is talking about fruit and food. So I have a little girl, Lily, who's upstairs in the one to twos, and she is in a beautiful stage of life called potty training. So wherever she goes, she carries a potty, she carries a change of clothes, because we're in that beautiful stage, and we'll give her a snack. So she'll carry this bag with her wherever we go or wherever we take her. And normally the snack is a piece of fruit. So what we'll do every now and again is probably every couple of months, Ellie, my wife, will say to me, Ads, it's time to clean out the bag. And what you'll realise is the amount of fruit that we have put in there over the months that is in various states of rotting. You see, it is perishable. You can put your hand in a bag and all of a sudden be, be met with all kinds of fruit juice that doesn't look like fruit juice. You see, fruit is perishable. We, made in the image of dust, are perishable. You see, I find this really challenging. I spend my life trying to accrue memories and experiences, going on red-letter days, having these high mountaintop experiences, trying to tick off my bucket list and create good memories that I can look back upon in my old age or when I'm just going down the pub with my friends. All of these live inside my head. 
This six to eight inch block on top of my body stores all of my memories, all of my thoughts, all of my experiences. These are ultimately perishable. They die with me. I put all of this effort, all of this money, and all of this time in trying to accrue them and build them up, but ultimately, they are perishable. With me, they go. My relationships, I put hours into relationship with my friends, trying to create memories with them, trying to get to know them deeper. I spent hours trying to create a strong relationship with my wife and trying to love and champion my daughter. Ultimately, that dies with me. It is perishable. And you might say, Ads, I've got you here. I've got you here. What about possessions? They're not perishable. They're going to last. My challenge or my question to you is what are you doing or what have we got that is ultimately going to last five generations time? See, inheritance will be squandered and spurned by that point. It's not going to be passed on. Inflation will have wiped out the majority of it. (laughs) Um, But if we're lucky, if we're blessed, In five generations' time, our great-great-great-grandchild will be into family history, into ancestry, and we will be a name on a family tree, and that is it. That will be the majority of our legacy. You see, we are perishable. Cheery, I know. The second half of verse 43 says that we are sown in dishonour and that we are raised in glory. You see, as people born in the image of dust, we are so aware, or at least I am, of the state of dishonour that I live in. I'm so aware of the mistakes that I've made, of the people that I've hurt, of the times where I've let people down. I'm aware of the moments where I felt most ashamed of my body, most ashamed of what I've done or what I've put other people through. It affects my day-to-day life. It affects the way that I interact with people because I'm subconsciously thinking, they couldn't really want to get to know me. I've done X, Y, and Z. You see, we live in a consistent state of dishonor as people made in the image of dust. Now, I do believe that Jesus can heal things and all of that sort of stuff, but the point is is that our default position as people of image of dust is those who have no hope and of those who ultimately live in dishonour. The next part of verse 43 says that we are sown in weakness, we are raised in power. Sown a natural body, raised a spiritual body. I exist in weakness. Now I find this incredibly challenging. I am 31 years old. Whoa, I know, whoa, where did that go? The worrying thing is that the world and science would say that ultimately I'm past my peak. I'm over the hill. Actually, physiologically, our muscles are at their strongest. Our cell rejuvenation is at its highest point in our mid-20s. You see, from that point, it's just a downwards trajectory of life. The slippery slope starts at 25. (laughs) Tough situation, eh? (laughs) You see, as people made in the image of dust, we are made in weakness. I'm aware of it in my life in the way that it now takes a lot longer to recover from playing sport. I'm aware of the extra aches and pains that I have that weren't there the other day. You see, we are sown in weakness and sown in a natural body. Verse 45 
And you'll be pleased to know that this is my final point in the image of dust and things are about to get a little bit cheerier, shall we say. It says this, the first Adam became a life, sorry, a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. What this is saying here, or this is laying reference to is Adam, the guy who we met at the beginning, the guy who was formed from the dust, the first man ever created, ultimately left a curse and a on humanity. How did he do this? Well, Adam was made to live forever. Adam wasn't meant to die. He was meant to walk with God forever on the face of the earth and the cool of the day, talking to him, having relationship and intimacy with God. But what happened? God gave a command to Adam. He said, do not eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And Adam ultimately did. You see, at this point, sin entered the world and a curse was put upon all of humanity, which says this in, in Genesis 3, verse 17 to 19. It says, And he said to the man, Because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, do not eat from it. The ground is cursed because of you. You will eat from it by means of painful labor all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. You will eat bread by the sweat of your brow until you return to the ground, since you were taken from it. You are, for you are dust, and you will return to dust. You see, at the moment where Adam ate the apple or the fruit and sin entered the world, separation happened. We could no longer be with God. God was too holy, too perfect, too wonderful for us to be in the presence of because we were too sinful and dirty. As a result, death entered the world. It would now become man's end position to die. It would become an everyday reality for us. And you might say, well, how has that affected me? Why has one man's curse affected me? I didn't even know the guy. He was here a long time ago. Well, Romans 6 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. You see, what this passage or what this verse is saying is the wages of sin. Okay? What sin gets, what it earns, Sin is an old school archery word, which means missing the mark. Any time that we fall short of a standard of perfection, we sin. We sin every day. And what this verse is teaching us is that when we sin, we deserve death. The fair pay for our sins is death. We sin every day. We mess up every day. And therefore, the curse that is put on Adam transfers down to us. From dust we were and to dust we will return. And this is never more apparent than when you scatter someone's ashes. I remember a couple of years ago, I was going for a walk on the, on the seafront. And I remember seeing a little family just gathering around, just sharing a conversation. And then I kind of was watching because it was a little bit different to what I'd normally seen. And I saw them pull open an urn and open it out and pour ashes onto the ground. This was somebody's body, somebody's life, all of their memories, all of their things that were perishable, ultimately being returned back to the ground. They had gone full circle. Well, I remember the last burial I went to. Just before COVID, it was a family member who, who didn't know Jesus. I remember chatting around the graveside with the friends and with the relatives, trying to process what on earth had gone on. What do we do now? How does this all fit together? 
And I remember the moment where the, the priest or the person taking the ceremony called us all in to the graveside. And the coffin was put in position on the grave and gradually lowered down. And they said these words. Earth to earth, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. At that point, earth was put on top of the coffin and it was gradually lowered down and the burial started. See, those words are so often associated with pain, anguish and hurt and defeat. That is the end of the image of dust. If all we are is dust, there is no point. That is our final thing that is ever spoken over of us in the physical. So, as people in the image of dust, we are sown in corruption. We are left corrupted. We are sown in dishonor. We are left in dishonor. We exist in weakness and we are left defeated. We are sown in the natural and we are left to nature. That's pretty bleak reading of what it is to be a human. But, but, there is a second half to every verse that I have read out. There is a second point that we get to celebrate and read through. You see, there is more to life than just now. We have the opportunity of those who are in Christ or know Jesus to have eternal life. We have the opportunity to not just be made in the image of the man of dust, but to be made at the point of our death into the image of the man of heaven. There is hope of a resurrection body. How? Jesus Christ came and lived on this earth. Where we consistently mess up and fell short of a standard of perfection, Jesus never did. He was fully God and fully man, walking around on the face of the earth, showing love, care and compassion to those that he met. This got to a point where the religious leaders of the day, the Pharisees, plotted and conspired to kill him. And they did. They killed him on a Roman cross in the most brutal, barbaric, sickest way that humankind has ever come up with. The God-man. The one who was God put on a tree to die. He then does die. At this point, he's taken off the cross. He's put in a tomb. King of kings, Lord of lords, left in a tomb to rot away like fruit in a bag. But... Three days later, Jesus Christ rose from the dead, defeating the power of sin, guilt, and shame. You see, this releases the hope of having resurrection bodies. See, through the power of the gospel, we have the opportunity, and we're going to give you an opportunity today if you do not feel that you have got this hope, to be made in the image of the man of heaven. Our future will not be based on a man who came from dust, but a man who came from the grave. You see, in verse 42, it said that we were sown in corruption. When we are raised, we'll be raised in incorruption. We are now going to be imperishable in our resurrection bodies. Our eternal bodies will not rot away. There is going to be no dust in heaven. You see, the joy before is that we would struggle to do anything of meaning. Everything that we did was perishable. It would be here one day, gone the next, leave with us. Well, now as believers, we can sow seeds that have eternal impact. We can communicate the gospel with people and see eternal destinies changed. We can disciple and mentor people and see them run the race and proclaim God in all things they do. We can sow money financially into kingdom ventures that have eternal impact. 
In Corinthians earlier, it says that all of our works will be tested by fire. And my question to us today is what of our works would survive the fire? What are we sowing that is imperishable? The second part, or verse 43, says that we were sown in dishonor. We lived in a consistent state of shame and guilt and awareness of our flaws, but we will be raised in glory. You see, sin, shame, and guilt will be no more when we get to the resurrection body. A foretaste of that today is that ultimately we are cleansed by the blood of Christ. When we live our life and we get barraged with, the, with sins that we commit and the nagging voice of the enemy comes and talks to us about how much of a bad person we are, ultimately we know that we stand on the truth and the firm foundation that Christ has paid for all of our sin, that it is no longer counted against me, that although, yes, I have committed wrong, God doesn't look at me and say, gosh, what have you done? No, 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 with repentance, he looks at me through Jesus-tinted glasses. He looks at me and sees Jesus' perfection instead of my mess. My mess is transported from myself and put on Jesus and died at the cross and it is taken from me no more. It is no longer mine and it is no longer borne by me. Thank God. You see, we were sown in dishonor. We will be raised in glory. No matter how bad or how much we have messed up our life, there are streams of unending grace that God is willing to give to us. He loves us. He's for us. He's spurring us on despite our fears, our failures, and our flaws. Second half of verse 43 said that we were sown in weakness. We are raised in power. We are sown a natural body. We are raised in a spiritual body. Now this is challenging, but it is good news. You see, in our life, we are so often aware of the battle and the struggle that we have physically. I'm aware that in this room there'll be many people with chronic conditions, chronic pain, with diagnoses lingering over their heads in waiting lists in an NHS queue somewhere, in like, maybe even having been given a certain amount of days, months, weeks, or years to live. There'll be people who are living consistently in pain. There'll be people who are consistently got mental health issues and struggles and every day is a battle. And will we pray for you as a church? Yes. Do we believe that God can heal you? Yes. Is it worth seeking medical intervention? Yes. But the amazing truth and the amazing power of the gospel is that regardless of our situation and what we find ourselves in, there is a day coming where there will be no more sickness, no more hurt, no more pain, no more NHS waiting lists, no more consistent states of depression, anxiety, and no mental health issues. We will be free from it. You see, it says in verse 50, what I am saying to you, brothers and sisters, is this. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor can corruption inherit incorruption. Listen, I'm telling you a mystery. We will not all fall asleep but we will all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the dead will be raised incorruptible and we will be changed. I've misread that, but you get the message. There is a moment coming where when we die, we will be made into our new bodies. A transition and a change happens. In verse 45, the final, the final point of this is, it says that the first Adam became a living being 
the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. See, the first Adam left a curse on humanity. It meant that we ultimately led, were led to death. The final Adam gives us the gift of immortality. Verse 52 says, In the moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we will be changed. For this corruptible body must be clothed with incorruptibility and this mortal body must be clothed with immortality. When this corruptible body is clothed with incorruptibility and this mortal body is clothed with immortality, then the saying that is written will take place. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where death is your victory? Where death is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, we have an eternal hope. We know that there is a day coming, regardless of our situation in our physical bodies, that we will be raised again without pain and without suffering. This also means that the ultimate fear that we live with as human beings, death, is abolished as it has lost its sting. Death no longer is something to be feared, but now is, viewed, is meant to be viewed as a passageway to victory. You see, before, the words proclaimed over us were those of defeat, Earth to earth, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. But now when those words are proclaimed over us at the point of our death, that is the moment that we cash in on the effects of the cross. That is the moment where the good work that Christ has started in us will be completed. That is the moment that the cross is victory, is live and real for us. What does this mean? So we were made in the image of dust, or we are in the image of dust. We were corruptible, we exist in dishonor, we exist in the natural, we exist in weakness, we were from the first Adam, and ultimately we were mortal. However, for those who are in Christ, for those who make the decision to follow and know Jesus, we get the hope of a resurrection body. Instead of being those things on the left, we are raised incorruptible. We are raised in glory. We are raised in power. We are spiritual, not just natural. We are raised in the last Adam. And ultimately, we are immortal. This is good news. What I'd love us to do is something that's a little bit different. Um, I would love us to spend a moment to reflect. Like I've spoken about some pretty heavy and real things that different ones of us will kind of be processing and dealing with differently. We're going to listen to a song in a bit, but while we, while we do, I'd love us to, on one hand, consider our mortality. Now, this will take you to two places. This will either fill your heart with fear, and for many of us it will, and there's varying degrees of fear, and I guess rightly so, because it's an unknown to an extent, but it will fill our hearts with fear. For some of us, this will cause us to a place of worship and we will have an opportunity to worship at the end. But if it leaves us in a place of fear, we have an awesome ministry team here and they would love to pray for you after the song. We'll call you down. Also, those who do not know Jesus, if they do not have the hope of what it is to be raised in the image of the man of dead, Sorry, raised in the image of the man of heaven. 
bad, bad, choice to, bad choice to stumble, eh? Um, if we do not know what it is to be made in the image of the man of heaven, then we would love to introduce you to this Jesus, the Jesus that has the power to change your eternal, eternal future and give you the hope of a resurrection beyond the dead. So we're just going to put this song on. The words are going to come up on the screen as well. Just spend some time reflecting, reading the words, worshipping God. It may be appropriate at a point where you feel to stand and worship because ultimately this song is a song of reflection, but it's good news and hope that we have in Jesus. Thank you very much.